You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from ScoreZag Score and taking over here. I want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day, whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which will start in the next week. Folks, it's finally happening. Those of you who have been listening have been waiting for this announcement. It is coming very, very soon. Should be up within the next couple of days. I'll have links ready as soon as it is live so you can all join me on YouTube. All right, today is a very special episode, a reunion of sorts, as I am joined by my first ever guest at Locked On Zags and a voice that is going to be very familiar to most of you, former Locked On Zags host Stephen Carr. Stephen, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join the show. I'm glad to be back. Uh, Andy, I'd I'd be lying if I say I did miss this a little bit, so I'm glad you're having me on today. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm sure it's a lot more fun to come on uh, periodically. Uh, Five days is is a bit of a challenge, although it's been been a lot of fun. I'm really glad to... uh, to have this opportunity, and I'm glad to, to have you back on, even if it's uh, just, just for once, once this week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and you're doing a good job with this. So hey, I appreciate that. Good work. Thank you, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so the Zags played a game. They played a real basketball game against real opponents, uh, not against themselves, and that was super exciting. Obviously, exhibition opener against Eastern Oregon. That's going to be the subject for today's podcast. We're going to talk about uh, all the newcomers, or at least guys who are stepping into bigger roles. Uh, you know, kind of talk about. You know, we could sit here and talk about Drew Timmy a lot if we wanted to, or Andrew Nempart, but I think people got a general sense of, of what they're going to look like this season. So I think it's a little more fun to to talk about some of the newcomers to the team. Um, we got to start with Chet Holmgren. I think we just get straight into it. You know, the Zags won by 54 points against Eastern Oregon. Not surprising that they it was a beatdown uh, playing in NAIA school. Uh, it's hard to not overreact. I know there are people in the fan base who are, are struggling to not react very strongly to some of the performances from really everybody on the roster. Uh, but it's hard to not be excited about what we saw out of Chet Holmgren. I think 15 seconds into the game, he goes coast to coast, uh, 17 points, eight rebounds in 18 minutes. Uh, Steven, what did you see? What are your thoughts on him uh, going into the season? And obviously after this game, if any of them have changed uh, about what kind of player he's going to be in a Gonzaga uniform. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned the numbers and um, one of the the, the, the numbers that you didn't mention was basically his efficiency shooting mm-hmm. the ball too. He's five for six from the field, six of seven from the free throw line. And if you look at his high school numbers, I mean, they were just eye popping. I mean, he shot mm-hmm. like 80% from the field or something ridiculous. And then he was really, really efficient when he was playing with uh, the United States national team as well. So like, that's, that's basically what he is offensively, right? He's not going to, you know, blow you away necessarily mm-hmm. and be a 25 point per game score. But he's going to shoot really, really efficiently. He's mm-hmm. not really going to turn the ball over much. And he's going to make his impact felt, you know, on the defensive end more than any other player probably in college basketball. I mean, I think that's really what his impact is for this team more than anything else is just how elite he is going to be on that end of the court. I mean, they haven't, you know, Brandon Clark shattered the blocks record a few years back, but mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren is obviously going to challenge that record again this year. And you saw how good. Um, you know, that rim protection was. And in 2017, 
you know, you had all basically all four of those bigs and that 2017 roster. The reason mm-hmm. that team was so good is because you had rim protection, which allows the guards on the perimeter to be a lot more aggressive and get into guys because you know that you've got that help um, at the rim, which is why that 2017 team was so unbelievably good and why this uh, 2022 team has such a chance to be um, an elite defensive team is because you've got that rim protection in Chet Holmgren. And I think, you know, Drew Timmy, you know, he wasn't necessarily the greatest rim protector last year, but he's good at it, and he mm-hmm. manages his fouls really, really well, which is something Coach Michelson talked about after the game is, you know, he's underrated in that aspect. You know, he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, he's not going to block a million shots, but he doesn't pick up fouls. Like He's a really, really smart defender um, when it comes to rim protection. But having Chet there is going to make him an even better rim protector. And then you get Caden Perry, you get Anton Watson, you get all these guys. You're going to have this elite rim protection, which means the guards and their length and their quickness and athleticism on the perimeter. This cha- this team has a really, really good chance to be a top five defense all season long. Yeah, Chet, I mean, it's, it's hard to judge. Like block shots, A, are, are a stat that don't always tell the whole story, but also trying to look at block shots in a game against opponents that are significantly smaller than even the WCC opponents that they're going to face is maybe a bit misleading. But Chet obviously is going to be a fantastic rim protector. I think there's there's no doubt about that. And and we did see that. We saw the guards like out a lot more, like way out. And, and maybe that was something they were trying. Maybe it was something they knew, they knew they could get away with in this game. Or maybe it's something they're going to do a lot more this year because they have the ability to, they know that they have that help in the background. Obviously, you know, I hate bringing this game up, but you know, you look at the Baylor game and you look at what happened there. And, and part of it was Drew getting out on those switches and struggling up there. But if that happens this year, if Drew gets out in that same situation, but Chet's back there, like that allows you a little bit more flexibility. And so I think we're going to see hopefully some of the, the guards being more aggressive at the top of the key, maybe going for more steals, maybe, you know, handling the pick and roll a little bit differently because you have that, that player in the back. And we can talk all about the behind the back dribbling and the outlet passes. And there's, I mean, we could spend a really long time talking about Chet, but just his presence, even if he's not blocking a bunch of shots, even if he's just, you know, there physically underneath the basket is going to change what Gonzaga can do defensively in ways that I don't know that we've really ever seen. I mean, Brandon Clark was probably the closest uh, and it's, I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to be remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not, like you said, it's not just block shots. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of liken it to Shemek Karnowski. He mm-hmm. didn't block that many shots. I mean, he did, but, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't, you know, 100-something block shots like Brandon Clark. No. But just his size and his presence altered either altered shots or altered pathways for guards. Like, they didn't even want to get inside. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Biggs wouldn't want to take it into him. Like, that's what Chet Holmgren's going to do. He's going to alter mm-hmm. how offenses play. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I kind of compare those two guys is Chet may block a million shots, but he's also going to, blo- uh, you know, alter a mm-hmm. million other ones just by being there. When you touched on this with Drew, and it was another thing that was Shemek was so good at later in his career was avoiding committing a lot of fouls, which is really difficult when you're as big as he was. And it's something I'm really curious about with, with Chet because freshmen struggle to to avoid getting fouls called on them frequently. That's something we've seen a lot with, you know, it's something Shem struggled with or something Rob struggled with is something that, you could, I mean, Zach Collins obviously struggled with, and it's something that, you know, hopefully Chet has the ability to avoid that. He's got a lot of body control. He's got great footwork, good instincts, but it is something that, you know, if, if he does get into foul trouble, it's going to cause a little bit of issues on that defensive front. They'll probably slide Watson into that role or, or slide Drew down. But, you know, it's one of those things where his presence alone, regardless of how many blo- shots he's actually blocking, I think is going to have a significant impact on that defense. 
Yeah, and his his verticality mm-hmm. uh, in high school in in uh, in high school was actually very very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously Gonzaga's coaching staff is unbelievable at teaching principals verticality. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I imagine, you know, obviously it's always a learning curve for a freshman, but um, I, I don't foresee him having huge. Uh, foul trouble problems and if he does you know they've got some depth behind yep. him which obviously we'll talk about uh, through this episode no doubt uh before we get there though we got to talk about julian strother i think i i wanted to label this episode being more about the newcomers and julian's not technically a newcomer but he, he might as well be he didn't play a ton last year he didn't carve out a role in the rotation because Corey kispert was there and because mark few loves to play his seniors as many minutes as humanly possible so julian got squeezed out of the rotation last year we saw some glimpses of the kind of player he's capable of doing. We obviously knew he was 2,000-point scorer in high school in Las Vegas, like knew he was going to be a, a dude. And then he comes out in this game, 18 points, 9 boards, basically all of that coming in the first half. Uh, beyond the stats, I mean, he looked he looked so confident. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a player with as little collegiate experience as him, outside of maybe Suggs, who obviously looked confident as a true freshman, who came in and just looked that ready to go get his shot. Again, opponent wasn't the caliber they're going to face in the regular season, but I don't think that that... Julian didn't look like somebody who was only only shooting because of who they were playing. He looks like the kind of dude who's going to go out there, he's going to get his looks, he's going to get his buckets, and the kind of guy who I think this is not the last time he's going to get close to 20 points and not he's going to, he's going to eclipse it plenty of times this year. At least that's what I'm thinking. How about you? Yeah, so last year um, I was fortunate enough to work Gonzaga's game at San Diego. Mm-hmm. And in the second half of that game, Strother came in and scored, uh, I want to say it was 11, maybe 12 points mm-hmm. in like three and a half minutes. <laughs> and I was just like, that's that's what he does. And I think mm-hmm. I tweeted something after the game. It's like, this dude's going to average 20 a game mm-hmm. by the end of it, by the end of his college career. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I thought coming into this season a he was going to start mm-hmm. um, i was always on the, on the train that he was going to start just because they you know they lost so much scoring last year mm-hmm. uh, they need somebody to, to fill in that role and he is the most naturally gifted scorer that they have on the perimeter mm-hmm. um and you know the more i watched um you know craziness and you know some of the the highlights and all this kind of stuff and practices yada yada um I, I thought there was a legitimate chance coming into the year that Julian Strother is the second leading scorer on this team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> this this exhibition game didn't really deter me no. from uh, from that. So uh, that's just what he does, man. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he can score it in so many different ways, too. And he talked about after the game, which is super, super cool, um, just how much he learned from Corey Kispert and from Joel Ayai last year. And he said, there's no better way to learn as a freshman than going up against two all Americans mm-hmm. every single day in practice. And so, you know, you get that kind of learning experience and now as a sophomore, it's your time to go. And obviously Julian Strother is off to a good start. And he's, you know, due for just a massive, massive season. It's one of those things that I can't, that I don't think can be stated enough that these players benefit from getting these opportunities. It's one of the reasons, and we'll talk about this more in the third segment, we're teasing it ahead of time, but uh, one of the reasons that I thought Ben Gregg's half year was so vital for him to be on the roster, even if he wasn't playing, because he got those opportunities. And for Julian, like, you know, he he's one of the very few 
guys who can score at all three levels on this roster. And it's a bit of a, a concern, <laughs> frankly, that some of the other guards don't have a lot of outside shooting. That's something that's been talked about a lot. It was one of the reasons that I thought Julian was going to start similar to what you said, because he has the outside shooting. He can shoot from three. He can shoot from the mid-range. He can get to the rim. He can get to the free throw line, all of that stuff. And it was all on display in this game. And I think for me, I was I hedged my bet more than you did. I thought, eh, he'll be between the third and fifth highest score on the team, which is not a very bold prediction. Uh, I thought, eh, there's a pretty good chance he'll be third, maybe fourth, but depending on Rasheer Bolton. Now, like, third seems almost too low. <laughs> like, it seems like he's de- definitely going to be third. I know that trying to read way too much into one game is, you know, you don't want to do that too much. You don't want to get too overexcited about something, but it's really hard to not be excited about the confidence he showed. Uh, the score first mentality that he showed, you know, him talking about learning from Corey and Joel, like you said, which has to just have been such an incredible learning experience for him just because of how great those two players were and their ability to score at both levels. It's just he's going to be he's going to be a huge piece of this team. And I think people were so excited and ready to say that and crown that before the season even started. And now they have all the ammunition they need after he dropped 18 points and a half. Yeah, I think people might forget too like last year at the start of the season mm-hmm. he was in the rotation in the first like he played mid mm-hmm. first half minutes against kansas and first half minutes against iowa like mm-hmm. him and Dalton harris both did that like the coaches trusted them from day one obviously mm-hmm. they shrunk the rotation as the season went on last year but like yep. the coaching staff really trusted them in, in julian strother and you know that's between that and, and him learning and developing behind the scenes it's going to pay off big time this year Absolutely. All right. Stephen Carr with us today talking all things Chet Holmgren, Julian Strother in the first segment. We're going to come back in the segment, second segment. We're going to talk about the backcourt. We're going to discuss Gonzaga's three newcomers, Rasheer Bolton, Hunter Salas, and Nolan Hickman. Before we get there, though, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know that you will too. Prize picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but from your favorite mid-major programs as well, which I know is appealing to Gonzaga fans. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store or Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, welcome back. Segment two, talking with Stephen Carr, the former host of Locked On Zags. Thanks again, Stephen, for coming on the show. We're going to talk about Rasir Bolton first here in the second segment. Uh, I feel like his line doesn't really, his line from the game against Eastern Oregon, I should say, does, it doesn't really stand out. He did most of his damage very early in this contest. But I think we saw some flashes of how impactful he can be on this team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one at, at you here. I didn't prep you for this one, but does he remind you of anybody from Gonzaga's past? Because there's definitely a few plays where I was like, oh, that he reminds me of some former guards on this team. Um, anybody he reminds you of and what kind of impact do you think he can have this year? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, maybe I'll talk myself into somebody or I'll agree with you if you throw a comp out there. But he is, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I just watching him in Iowa State, mm-hmm. he was 
um, lethal in transition and in the open mm-hmm. court, and he really knows how to attack the rim. Yeah. And we saw that both at Craziness and um, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He is fast. He's so fast. Like, so fast. Unbelievably fast. He and, and one of the things he did, you know, in transition, he can push the ball basically from free throw line to free throw line in two dribbles. Mm-hmm. Like he did that multiple times. Like he is quick as heck. Mm-hmm. So um, off the top of my head, I don't know if I'm going to compare him to anybody, but if you throw a name out there, I'll tell you yes or no. Well, that. I was going to say the speed specifically was Meech. He's got a more, uh, obviously okay. a more refined game than Meech uh, with no disrespect to Meech. His game was not very refined. <laughs> that was part of the reason he ended up becoming an NFL player. But the the first couple drives where he did go coast to coast, I was like, I've the, Goodson and, and maybe Pargo uh, are the only players okay, so, I've seen so Pargo, do that. So Pargo was the name that I was thinking yeah. of too. Yep. Um, and Pargo is much more of a true point guard, I think, mm-hmm. than Bolton is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that quickness and explosiveness is... Um, it's impressive. And there are more finishers around the rim. I think, you know, that, I mean, Bolton's not going to be a deadly outside shooter. I think I talked about this when I previewed him or like last week, he, he kind of had the same thing that Ryan Woolridge had a little bit where when Bolton was at Penn state as a freshman on a better team, he shot 36% from three. Then at Iowa state where teams were just flooding him as soon as Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. And he was the only good player on that team. He was, I mean, defenses were all over him and his three point percentage dropped pretty considerably. So it makes you wonder if he's going to be a better three-point shooter on a team where he's frequently at, you know, at best, he's probably the third best offensive player on the floor. In some situations, he might be fourth. So he's going to have a little bit less defensive pressure on him. We saw Woolridge's three-point percentage jump. I, I make this comparison a lot with guys, and I think it's a little bit you got to be careful with it because Woolridge's percentage jumped 10 points in one season. I don't think every player is just going to magically get that much better. His was pretty unique in that regard. But I do hope that we see a player whose who's three-point percentage improves because he's got a little bit more room to work with because I think he's got that skill set in him, and it's going to make it easier for him to get to the rim if, they're, if the opposing defenders have to uh, honor his shot in ways that they may not have to do if he's only shooting 30%. So I think that's a huge key for him. But that speed, that quickness, that ability to get up and down the floor and be willing to get out and run in transition, especially with Chet and Drew gobbling up defensive rebounds, is going to make him an absolute menace this year, even if that shot never comes around. Yeah, and his veteran leadership, too, Mm -hmm. is, is huge, especially on a team that, for the most part, you know, is really young or has a lot of players that are stepping into larger roles. Uh, obviously, you know, they got the four freshmen, but Julian mm-hmm. Strother stepping into a larger role. Rasheer Bolton's been playing big-time college basketball. This is mm-hmm. now his fourth season. Um, so him and Nemhard kind of forming that, you know, experienced, veteran-laden mm-hmm. backcourt uh, is going to help the team out a lot. Absolutely. I think it's so it's important for guys like Dom and for guys like Hunter and Nolan, obviously, to, to see two veteran guys who are going to soak up a ton of minutes at the at the one and the two. Um, speaking of those younger guys, I feel like there was so much attention on Chet that we didn't focus a lot on Hunter Salas, the other blue chip prospect, you know, at the time, the second highest or at the time, briefly, the highest rated recruit in school history. 
Um, you know, he <laughs> got overshadowed pretty quickly when Shaq committed. But Salas had 11.7 boards in 18 minutes, which frankly surprised me. When I looked at the box score, I wasn't tracking the, the box score live during the game. I was just kind of watching. And I was like, I didn't really realize that he had such an efficient night. Five of seven shooting from him. Uh, I thought it was a little quiet, but really nice, nice showing from him. Obviously, a guy who really popped at craziness in the kennel with his dunks, the dunk contest winner there. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on him from this game and just in general heading into the season? It's funny you mentioned that because uh, I, I think the person that I compared him to or the role that I kind of envisioned him taking over was Joel Ayayi. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times in yep. Ayayi's career where you looked up and you look at the box score and you're like, wow, did he really have, you know, darn near a triple-double or another <laughs> double-double, those kinds of things. Yep. And that, that's kind of what Salas can do. I mean, he's unbelievable in transition as well. Like him mm-hmm. and, and Bolton on the court together in transition is really lethal. Yeah. Um, but Salas is, he's a slasher. He's a really, really good and a really smart cutter. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of those baseline cuts that Ayayi had, mm-hmm. um, that kind of position and role is going to be filled a lot by Salas, I think. Um, and then you kind of, you found him oftentimes, you know, doing a lot of dirty work and, and finding bas- you know, finding loose balls and picking up easy baskets that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, he's a guy who's going to play, you know, 15, 20 minutes off the bench, kind of be that energizer bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to have games where he breaks out just because, um, you know, against kinds of get into a, a fast paced game. And he's so good at that, mm-hmm. um, that he scores, you know, 14 or 16 points off the bench, uh, on any given night. So it's just another option that they have. And I think his length, defensively um, is going to help them out as well. And I'll talk about this in a second with Hickman, but like their, their backcourt, all of them Mm -hmm. are just so long and so quick um, that like, you know, this could be, yeah, you know, it's hard to label things this (laughs) early in the season, but it seriously, it could be, if not the best, definitely a top three uh, defensive backcourt that Gonzaga has seen. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 my show right now. So you can you can you don't have to hedge your bets, man. You can say your crazy opinions if you want to. You can throw them all out there. Um, no, I agree a hundred percent. I think this is going to be a, an elite defensive team um, because of that length. I remember when I was doing the player previews on these guys, um, talking about every the best case scenarios for every every wing. I was like, they could be the, this team's best perimeter defensive player because nobody like definitively has that role like every one of these guys could be the team's best uh, defensive perimeter player and in a you know in the actual best case scenario for the team all of them are just super super good they have all this length they have this athleticism they have what seems to be like good noses and instincts for the basketball and I think learning from guys like Nembhard and Bolton Bolton's never been a great defensive player but he seems to have really good instincts and certainly is at least good at getting out in transition quickly I think they're going to be an absolute just terror to deal with for opposing uh, opposing guards are just good. And, and we talked about it earlier with Chet, like they can be more aggressive. They can really play the passing lanes and they can really get out and harass these guys 35 feet away from the basket because they have that insurance policy under the rim. And, and Salas, I think he he's the guy who I think, and Hickman had probably a, a better defensive game, I think, but Salas is a guy I think is going to absolutely pester the heck out of opposing guards this season. Yeah, and going back to your point on, um, you know, one of these guys trying to step up and be like the lockdown guy, mm-hmm. um, I, I, it's hard because you don't necessarily have to have one mm-hmm. if your team doesn't have a weak link yeah. defensively. 
if they don't have one person that, you know, is, you know, clearly worse than the other three guys on the perimeter that can be attacked, like if you're all really good, mm-hmm. then you don't necessarily have to have one standout. Like if all three of you guys are solid, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to be pretty tough to score. And so um, Salas is obviously uh, has the potential to be that. Nemhard and Bolton have played, you know, so much college basketball. Yeah. They they've, are, are solid defenders themselves. Strother is getting there as well. But I, I thought if, you know, I'm not going to take over your show, but if we move on to <laughs> Nolan Hickman here. Yep. Yeah, um, we're, we're, we're doing that. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So his, he, for me, I went back and watched the game last night because I can't, when I'm in the arena, it's hard to, sure. to, you know, learn things as they're happening. But when I went back and watched the game on TV last night, um, I thought Nolan Hickman was the best player on the court for probably the first six or seven minutes of the second half. I mean, mm-hmm. his defense was unbelievable. Um, and so if he is another one of those really solid borderline lockdown perimeter defenders, I mean, there is zero weak link defensively on the perimeter for this team, mm-hmm. at least on paper early on. I've, everything can change as the season goes sure. on and, and, you know, scattering reports and all that kind of stuff. But you have to like the depth. You have to like the potential. You have to like the athleticism, the quickness, all this stuff on the defensive end of the ball um, for this group. Yeah, and I think with Hickman, you know, it's funny. He he had one of the more polarizing games, I thought, in my mind. Um, people, you could kind of tell people who, who watched the game really intently or rewatched the game versus people who maybe watched a little bit of the game and then read the box score because he had three points, one of five shooting, 26 minutes. And I think when you look at everybody else who had these hyper-efficient nights like, like Salas, like Chet, like Julian, all these guys, and you look at Hickman and you're like, oh, he kind of was the weak link. He had a bad game. And that he didn't have a great shooting game. I mean, that's fair, but he did not have a bad game at all. He led the team with four assists and 26 minutes of action. He was the best defensive player on the floor outside of Chet, I think. Um, I, I absolutely agree with you. He was tenacious. He was aggressive. He, yeah, he looked phenomenal on that end of the floor. And I think the shooting will come around. I'm not worried about him offensively all that much. He did not look great offensively, but in a game where the team scored 120 points and everybody scored except Joe Few, it's hard to be too critical of one guy not having a great shooting night. Like, it's just going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I I think defensively he's already proven that he's going to be really, really good. I'm curious what you think he's going to contribute to this team offensively. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he has to be a mm. scorer, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Because um, he's, I mean, you've got so many other scoring options where mm-hmm. you know he can be his naturally gifted passing self yep um and you know he can, he, he's basically going to be in the role that andrew nemhard was in yep. last year where he's more pass first mm-hmm. um get everybody else involved and then next season is going to be what andrew nemhard is this season yep. where he's going to need to take up a step in scoring be a little bit more aggressive hunt his own shots mm-hmm. um but i think but i think this year is more of a learning process offensively um and just kind of you know find the open man limit turnovers um and be that you know steadying force off the bench at the point guard spot so i i don't i mean i'm not necessarily worried about mm-hmm. you know a one for five shooting night i mean drew timmy struggled to finish yeah. around the rim a couple shots too and i'm not, not no. exactly worried about drew timmy mm-hmm. um so I, I think his, you know, his biggest impact uh, in my mind is limiting turnovers and being just an absolute pest on defense. Yeah, I think realistically we could be 
we could finish this season, be talking about Nolan Hickman and how great he was and how important he was to this team. And he'll have averaged seven points per game. Like I think, or six points per game. Like I think it's entirely possible because of how impactful he can be on defense. And because like you said, we don't, not everybody's going to average 10 points per game. They don't like, like they don't have enough. There's not enough minutes in the game for them all to average 10 points per game. So that's that same, that same thing. Like Andrew Nevhard in this game, Mm -hmm. he played 18 minutes. Andrew Mm -hmm. Nevhard's playing 35 minutes a game. Yep at least yep. when these important games happen in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, Nolan Hickman might only be out there for eight minutes mm-hmm. against Duke or eight minutes against UCLA, maybe yep. 10 minutes, 12 minutes. Yep. Um, so, you know, if he can give three or four minute bursts of just unbelievable defense, mm-hmm. um, you know, a nice, you know, a couple nice passes and pick and rolls, like that's all he's going to have to do you know, do in order to have successful games, at least early on in the season. And then you can kind of grow when he gets more playing time um, during the conference season. And, you know, you have more opportunities. You can, you know, afford to sit in them hard when you're playing, um, you know, Portland as Portland. opposed to Duke. <laughs> exactly. And, and and getting those experiences where, yeah, maybe it's only five minutes against Duke, but it's five minutes against Duke. Like, that's, I mean, you, you, you've gained that experience. So then next year when he's in this this bigger role, like you said, he's going to be more like Nembhard. Next year, I think that's probably a really accurate assessment. And he'll have had that experience playing. You know, he won't have just played against Portland and Dixie State and those types of teams. He'll have played against Duke. He'll have played against Texas. You know, he'll have that experience. And I think that's so vital for these guys to, to really step into these bigger roles uh, in their second season. All right. We got two more players we're going to talk about in the third segment. That's, of course, the two young bigs, Ben Gregg and Caden Perry. The two freshman bigs, although I know Ben Gregg (laughs) is borderline a freshman because he was on the team for part of last year. We're going to talk about that in the third segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about BetOnline. Folks, BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball season. It features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Las Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, joined with Stephen Carr, third segment. We've talked about Chet Holmgren, Julian Strother. We've talked about the three new guards on the roster, grad transfer Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman, and Hunter Salas, the two freshmen now. Segment three, we're going to talk about the two young bigs, Caden Perry and Ben Gregg. Um, we're going to start with the veteran of the group, <laughs> Ben Gregg. Um, he yeah, baby. <laughs> he had six points, four boards, 13 minutes. Uh, he was the last rotation player to come into the game, which I'm not reading too much into that, but I know some people asked some questions about that um, during you know on Twitter, and they asked me after the game for mailbag. Uh, I'm curious what you thought about his performance and, and how you see him fitting in this season. Uh, I think I'm going to lump both of these guys in real sure. quick and just um, when I watch them, the question is, how is Gonzaga going to find minutes for these guys? Yep. They're st- I mean, they're good enough to play right away, mm-hmm. but like Drew Timmy is Drew Timmy, mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren is Chet Holmgren, and you know we're not going to talk a much about Anton Watson today, but I thought he looked fantastic, he did. so it's yep. like... 
you know, you got those three guys ahead of Aiden Perry and Ben Gregg, but these two kids are mm-hmm. incredibly talented. Um, and so I, I don't know, you know, they, they've clearly got uh, a top eight and then there's Caden Perry and Ben Gregg in that eight or the nine and 10 spots. Mm-hmm. And so we'll kind of see how many minutes they get. Um, but I mean, Caden Perry's a freak athlete and Ben Gregg is showing off uh, a wide array of an offensive skill set. So mm-hmm. um, they both bring something a little bit different to the table. So it's very possible it could be, you know, a matchup based thing mm-hmm. early on in the season where, hey, you know, we need the athleticism going against Team A, so we'll play Caden Perry in this game, or we're going to need some extra shooting against Team B, so maybe Ben Gregg will get, you know, five minutes in this game. So um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what the coaching staff does with these two kids um, early on in the season. If they get minutes in these big games, um, or if they're kind of going to be, you know, get minutes as the season goes along in conference um, and develop their games behind the scenes uh, and kind of break out next season. Because these two guys are probably the cornerstones of next season's roster. Those two plus Anton Watson uh, on mm-hmm. the interior. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be stars soon. Yep. Um, you, you can see it uh, even in an exhibition game. They both bring something unique to the table. And I think they complement each other really, really well. You know, Caden Perry's the bruising force, athletic freak inside and mm-hmm. off the glass. Um, I think he's got a chance to be a, a pretty good rim protector as well. Um, once he kind of, you know, hones his athleticism and gets a little bit of the rawness out of his game. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Ben Gregg, I mean, you've talked about it before. He's got some Killian Tilly to his game. Yeah. When they run, when he was in the game, they ran a lot with Chet Holmgren too, but they run a lot of uh, pick and roll and replace action to mm-hmm. kind of get, uh, you know, Caden Perry and Drew Timmy rolling to the basket. And then, you know, your shooter in either you know, Ben Gregg or Chet Holmgren replacing to the top of the key for an open shot. Yep. So, um, yeah, no, I, th- I think both of them are impressive and it's going to be really hard to keep them off the court when the season rolls around. That's what's, you brought up a good point of like, of, of them, the matchup based thing. And I've talked about that a little bit before. And I think it makes some sense for Gonzaga to have a nine man rotation early in the season and kind of flex one of those two guys in, but also like these dudes really need to play together. Because they're going to be, like you said, they're going to be the you know the two guys next year. They're going to be the five and the four next year, barring something really miraculous happening where one of them ends up leaving this year, or you know somebody comes back next year, or they get a top tier recruit. But I think those two guys are the dudes next year, and so you want to get them minutes together. But there's not room on this roster to get those two guys minutes in competitive games. I mean, they're just, they're just not because of how good Anton Watson looked, like you said, because Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. Like it's, it's this crazy situation that Gonzaga finds themselves in where these two guys are legit dudes. Like there's no doubt. I mean, I, I'm, I'm struck by how much Ben Gregg reminds me of Killian Tilly. Like it's really, at first I was like, is this just kind of a lazy comparison because there's 6'10 dudes who can shoot? But like, there's a lot of similarities in his game and he looks just about as polished as Tilly did as a freshman. And Tilly's freshman year was, is, is kind of an underrated thing that happened in Gonzaga's history because he was so he was the fourth big on that 16-17 team but he was a significant part of the rotation he had a huge role he obviously knocked down those two free throws against South Carolina like he was a he was a dude and I think Ben Gregg is as ready to be that kind of contributor 
as Killian Tilly was as a freshman, and the team like barely has room for him, and that's just crazy to me. And then Caden Perry to to look like look like he did to have that ridiculous you know step through dunk that he had, the block shot that he had, like he just looked absolutely incredible. And the fact that they can't find minutes for these guys or are going to struggle to find minutes for these guys, I guess is a better way to say it, is remarkable. But I think. The fans can just remember that, yeah, it's frustrating that they're not on the on the floor now, but they're going to be absolute studs next season. And the fact that we don't have room for them now, but we have them still ready to go in the chamber if we need them is pretty remarkable. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, sometimes you look at where Gonzaga is mm-hmm. and you think, hey, you know, sometime in the next couple of years, there's going to have to be a down season. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the roster and what they bring back the following season. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't think next season is going to be a down season at all. Like they're right. going to stay at mm-hmm. this elite level yep. for the foreseeable future. I mean, if you're going to bring back, you know, Caden Perry and Ben Gregg and mm-hmm. Hickman, if, mm-hmm. and if, you know, Hunter Salas comes back for another year, you got Watson as a, mm-hmm. a fourth year player. I mean, a recruiting class that's coming in, that's going to be pretty decent. It's like, yeah. these guys aren't going anywhere. It's, yeah. it's just it's a it's a machine. What Gonzaga is doing right now, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think people people next year the talking point will be whether well, losing Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, so they're going to struggle in the front court. And I can understand why national media would think that. I can even understand why more local media would think that because losing two guys like that is insane. But they're going to be good still. Like they're going to be just fine. And like I kind of forgot. Like when I've been reading, you know, stuff going into this season, and people are, you know, obviously Gonzaga is still ranked number one, and people are still considering them title contenders. But a lot of people are like, well, they're losing so much scoring in the backcourt with Jalen Suggs and Joel Eyi and Corey Kisper. And it's like it's the the fact that Gonzaga lost three dudes to the NBA in a season, and most people are still like. Yeah, no, they're still they're still fine. Like there wasn't like in any other point in Gonzaga's history, any other point, any of them, if they lost three dudes to the league, there is no way that the conversation would be what it is this year. No way at all. It's just ridiculous that they're where they are. Never take it for granted. <laughs> no, and, and I try to remind myself and try to remind the listeners, obviously, too. Like it's hard to it's hard to not get so excited about the future, too. But like. Ben Gregg and Caden Perry are here for a reason, and it's not to be huge contributors this year. Obviously, if they're needed for whatever reason, if there's an injury or ineffectiveness or something like that, great. But they are here to be huge pieces next season. And Gonzaga's track record, the staff, the development program, all of that, their track record of having these guys ready when it's their time is incredible. They they seem to be right on the money. Like th- we want Rui to be ready in three years. We want Joel to be ready in th- three years. We want, you know, Norvell to be ready at this time. And like these dudes are just always ready right when it's their chance. And I, I'm just, I'm so like one of these times they might get it wrong and it'll be really startling when that happens because it just feels like they're so on the money with having, having the, the development system uh, working exactly when they want it to work. Yep. I feel that it's a great coaching <laughs> staff. Um, and seriously, I mean, it, it's really, really hard the last three years to to just watch these guys and mm-hmm. take for granted what's happening. Yeah. And like no team since like I think it was Duke 20 years ago, mm-hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, started seasons number one back to back years like this. Like yeah. it's it's been a while. Um, and for them to do it after losing as much as they did and for the national media uh, and, you know, fans for the most part. Um, you know, respecting what they have accomplished and mm-hmm. what they, you know, look forward to accomplishing this year. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. Absolutely. Steven, 
Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Locked on Zags misses you. I'm sure this will not be the last time that you pop on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. You got it, Andy. Anytime. All right. Thanks again to Stephen for joining me today. Always appreciate having a familiar voice back on the show. We've got a ton of really good stuff happening this week. Wednesday is going to debut our first WCC Wednesday episode, which is going to discuss the conference at large. It's going to be a preview of all of the teams in the conference. Throughout the season, we're going to update on how they're doing. Uh, We're going to also preview Gonzaga's second exhibition contest against Lewis Clark State later in the week. Bring back the Andy Locke segment where you all submit your hot takes for either this upcoming game or the season and in general, and I will rank them too hot, too cold, just right. All sorts of fun stuff coming up right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts and very soon to be available on YouTube. Another reminder, podcast links will be available on Twitter at Locked on Zags and on my personal Twitter account, which can be found at ScoreZagsScore. Finally, thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!